All right, good evening, church. It's good to be back. Uh, the video that you guys just saw, and in case you're wondering who all those people were, uh, that's Jair Songdo Church. That's kind of our mother church. It's located near Seoul National University, and our hillside congregation meets there. Um, we are originally an English ministry serving under Jair Songdo, which is a church with about 2,000, 3,000 members. And this past Friday, we had the very first joint prayer meeting between the Korean ministry, uh, the young adults, and the English ministry. And so it was very powerful. I apologize if you couldn't read the subtitles uh, in the back, but there were healings uh, that happened during the service, Um, people getting really touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. And more than anything, there was a unity uh, that is sorely lacking in the church that was happening at that night, where we had the old Korean generation, the young Korean generation, and all these uh, English ministry people gathering together as one. Uh, So that was really beautiful. Um, uh, Thanks to Pastor Joel for putting that together. It's been almost a year since I preached here. Can you believe that? It's been almost a year. Uh, My name is John Michael Becker. For those who don't know me, uh, I I was the pastor that helped uh, plant this church in 2010 in King Bar, uh, which King Bar is located closer to the station. We were in the bar until uh, November Uh, 2010 we moved here it was December of 2010 that we came here and then uh, at the beginning of last year Pastor Marcus uh, took over as the campus pastor I've always served as a lay pastor I'm I'm a full-time missionary uh, to the orphans here in Seoul but uh, I've also served with this church for over seven years now Uh, I love New Philadelphia if you have an amazingly sharp memory you'll remember my last sermon uh, the title of my last sermon but I'm not going to ask because I don't want to get depressed The title of the sermon was Knowing Your Needs, Knowing Your Needs, and it was a sermon that addressed, often in the church you hear the needs of your spirit, spirit man, spirit, 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 Um, but the soul and the body often get neglected uh, to the point where it actually gets evil. Um, If you look back in history, what Christians would do to their body and to their soul because they deemed it evil. And uh, if you listen to that sermon, it's a light sermon, it's a good sermon, I got a lot of positive feedback, I think it would really bless you. And uh, today, God put on my heart to address uh, the soul again, to speak about the soul. But today, rather than speaking about your needs, I'm going to address the spiritual warfare that is going on for your soul and Satan's attack to take control of your life. And so the title of my sermon, I was going to title it The Satanic Agenda of Your Soul, but uh, I don't know why. I thought thought that might be too strong, so... uh, So if you're taking notes, the title of the sermon is Stop Listening to Your Heart. Stop Listening to Your Heart. Title of the sermon. So what is the soul? Uh, I preached about this last year, but I'll, I'll review. The soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. And uh, we should be getting some slides up as I go. And uh, in the Greek, the word for soul is suki, from which we get the term uh, psychology. Okay, your soul. All right, look at that amazing slide. You like that? And I, I made that myself. Uh, soul is mind, will, and I forgot the comma, uh, emotions. So. so you guys know we're made in the image of God, right? Bible says in Genesis 1, we are made in the image of God. And if you know about God, you'll know that he is three in one. Call him the triune God, Trinity. He is Father, he is Son, he is Holy Spirit. Three in one. Okay, not three separately, but three in one. 
So are we made up of three things. We are made up of our body, our physical body, of our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, and of our spirit. Okay? We are body, soul, and spirit. And in the Bible, God spoke to Adam and Eve and said, If you take of the fruit of the tree in the garden, of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. That is what God said. And Adam and Eve ended up taking that fruit, and did they die? And I remember reading that. I'm like, God lied. They didn't die. They're still alive. But the truth is, is not their body, not their soul. Those things didn't die. Their spirit man died. Their spirit man died. The spirit is what connects us to God. God is a holy God. He is pure. Okay? He can only connect to what is pure. I can't take a perfectly white, these white pants, all right, and eat some jajangmyeon and get all this black on it. Now it's not white pants anymore. All right? Now it's not holy. Now it's not pure. God can't connect himself to what is sinful, to what is evil. So when they sinned, their spirit man got cut off from God. Their spirit man died. Okay? And this is why the Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You become alive in him. You become born again. You might have heard this Christian lingo. You've got to become born again in the Lord. That's not talking about physical birth. It's not talking about birth of your soul. It's talking about birth of your spirit. Your spirit comes to life because by the blood of Jesus, you are made pure. And so your spirit man comes alive and is able to reconnect with the Lord. You're born again. Make sense? Very simple summary. All right. Body, soul, and spirit. Uh, And before salvation, because our spirit man is dead, we lived according to the needs of our body and of our soul. That's how we lived. Okay. And uh, I want you guys to think of a baby. When a baby is born, does the baby think about other people? No. The baby just thinks about its own needs. I'm hungry, so I'm going to cry. I'm angry, so I'm going to cry. I'm scared, so I'm going to cry. I'm cranky, so I'm going to cry. I need sleep, so I'm going to cry. They don't care about, you know, mom's tired. They don't care about that. Don't think about that. It's me, 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 me. That's a baby. All right, when they become toddlers and into kindergarten, we have to begin to teach them and train them to take care of their body, take care of their soul, and how to think. And beyond just disciplining the child, we have to teach them to also care about other people. Because if you just worry about your own body and soul, if you don't really grow up, it's all me, me, me. So what's the theme in kindergarten? Sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. This is completely against the desires of the body and the soul. Why? Because I want mine. This is my toy. Mine. Okay? And we have to break that, 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 that thing off the children and teach them. you got to love. Now, think about your neighbor. All right? And so there's a grace. Even though our spirit man is dead, through the discipline and the teaching of our parents and of role models in our lives, we can start to learn how to act right. Only through teaching and only through discipline. Let's put this up. The selfish nature has to be taught and discipline out of a child, otherwise the child will grow up to be evil. If you want a picture of this, go to the grocery store in America, and you will see undisciplined children. And uh, it was actually here in Korea. Uh, my wife Sky and I were uh, at a, we were near the Yongsan Army Base, and there was a vending machine, and a family was walking by, and a little boy came up. He's probably a first grader, second grader. And he's like, "Mom, I want this juice." She said, no, 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 we're, we're about to go home. You can have some juice at home. He said, Mom, I want it now. And she said, no, 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 we're going to get home. And he goes, 
I hate you. I'm like, man, that was my son. Smack him so hard. Okay. Discipline is biblical. You read the Proverbs. It says you need to bring your rod to the children and teach them the way that is right. Train the child in the way that is right. And when he is old, he will not turn from it. But if you don't train your child, if you just give him his needs, okay, he's going to become selfish. And when you become more and more selfish, you become, you become evil. You become evil. Cartoons do a great job of exemplifying this, all right? Uh, if any of you guys have watched Tom and Jerry or Bugs Bunny or any of these cartoons, usually at some point in the cartoons, they run out of material, so they're like, let's, let's do the devil and the angel thing, okay? And so the cartoon character has to choose between right and wrong, and suddenly that little devil shows up. It's like, come on, you know you want it. You know, don't, don't worry about those people. Just do it. Just do it. Just give in. And then the little angel shows up, which isn't biblical. All right? It's not angel. It's the Holy Spirit. But the little angel shows up. It's, no. You know, it's all like weak and, you know, really sad. But, but you, you see this conflict for the cartoon character. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Okay? And what happens for some of these cartoon characters is it's like, goodbye, angel. I'm going to give in to my desires. I'm going to eat that pie that mom said not to eat. And as they start to do it, that little devil is like, yeah, yeah. And you can see the child... That cartoon character starting to become evil. It's biblical. James 3, 14 through 16. Yeah, there it is. Read along. It says, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be, be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. You see, our sinful choices just begin as something earthly. We're not connecting with the Lord. We're just, we're just trying to do our own thing. Okay, it seems harmless. But for a, a, a term that's more modern, we would call it worldly. Okay, you're like, man, I, I don't know about the decision you're making. It seems kind of worldly. It seems kind of like what, what, what just the world is doing. Man, I'm my own man. You know, let me make my own choices. And as they keep giving into it, they're ignoring the Holy Spirit. They're ignoring the voice of truth, and so they're becoming unspiritual. And as they keep listening to that demonic voice, and they might think, it's my own voice. It's my own voice. It's just what I want. I'm going to do what I want. They become demonized. Bondage. All right? You guys know I'm, I'm the healing deliverance pastor of this church, along with my wife, uh, Sky, And we see this all the time. People make choices, and it seems harmless at first. I'm just going to look at this you know, movie that has some lewd scenes. It's no problem. You know, now I've watched that. You know, I'm going to watch some, some worse movies. Now, you know, maybe I'll get in some magazines. And then, boom, spirit of lust all over the person. Okay? That's what Satan does. This is Satan's trap. And I'm going to go a little deeper because a lot of people these days are completely oblivious to Satan. Completely oblivious to Satan at work uh, around us. And he is at work. Uh, if you go to war... It's not just a matter of, all right, you know, what's our identity? How many people do we have? Where are we going? What's our vision? It's not just about that. It's also knowing who you're going to war with. You got to know the enemy. You got to know where the enemy is, his tactics. You got to know how to fight. It's not often, though, that you hear messages about Satan, right? I'm not going to preach much about Satan, but I want to reveal his basic tactics. I'm going to introduce you to a guy. His name is Alester Crowley. Got a picture of this guy. Lester Crowley is known as the father of modern-day Satanism. Uh, he lived from 1875 to 1947. 
And uh, he was known as the wickedest man in the world. Uh, the wickedest man in the world. He was heavy in the worship of Satan, other demons. He taught all sorts of magic. Uh, he introduced into already the demonic coven, sex magic, all this sorts of abominations. But the sum of his teaching, the most important words, was, Do what thou will shall be the whole of the law. The basic teaching of Satan is very simple. And I encourage you guys, take notes. Do what you want. It's not what you would think, right? You would think the basic teaching of Satan is, you know, give your heart to Satan and sacrifice your children. No. Very, very simple. Do what you want. Think about when Satan tempted Eve in the Garden of Eden. Did he come as some scary, intimidating figure? Did he come trying to strike fear into our heart and intimidate her into giving her life over to him? Did he come and try and tempt her into lewd activities and, and just slime her? No. He came just to try and tell her that she wanted that fruit. And as he spoke to her, the Bible says, after listening to him, Eve saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes. She never felt that way about the fruit before. But as she listened to Satan, Satan saying, this is what you want. This will make you feel good. You want this. You want this. You want this. She gave in. Not knowing that by giving in, she was going against God's commands. Her spirit man would die and Satan could start to claim control over her soul. See, Jesus doesn't mince words in the book of John when he calls Satan the prince of this world. Jesus, he recognizes Satan's authority here on earth. It's not authority over Christians, but over those who are in sin, over those who are doing what they want. He has control. Lester Crowley, he wasn't some random Satanist. He isn't some guy that just seems like a, a, a crazy man that, you know, only a few people listen to. He has influenced millions upon billions. His influence in the music industry is ridiculous. He was on the Beatles album, Sgt. Pepper's and Lonely Hearts Club. He was uh, featured on there. Uh, he has influenced so many musicians that some of them have tattooed onto their bodies these words, Do what thou will shall be the whole of the law. If you guys know the band 311, uh, they were big when I was younger. Uh, tattooed on the leg, okay? This is big in the music industry. In the book of Satan, oh, Lester Crowley, he was rated as the 73rd greatest Briton of all time. That's sad. The wickedest man in the world, and they recognize him as the 70, 73rd greatest man in their history. That's how big his influence has been. A lot of Christians are oblivious. Who's this guy? I've never seen this guy before. Seems crazy. No, this teaching is huge. The book of Satan. Yes, there is a book of Satan. Chapter 4, verse 3. <laughs> the book of Satan. It says this, Say unto thine own heart, I am mine own redeemer. Say unto my heart, I am mine own redeemer. So the basic teaching of Satan is, do what you want. You're your own redeemer. No one else can redeem your heart. Just take care of yourself. Think about Jesus when he's in the desert. Temptation of Jesus Christ. Satan's had all the time in, in the world to come up with the best temptation possible. What is his temptation to Jesus? You're hungry. Turn these stones into bread. Seems innocent to me. I'm hungry. I'm going to do what I want. What does Jesus say? Uh-uh. I, I can only do what the Father does. Man does not live on bread alone, but only every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. You see, Jesus says, I'm not going to do what I want. I'm going to let the Father provide for me. I'm going to move with the Father. I am not my own man. I am connected to the Father above. 
You see, when you do what you want, you're disconnecting yourself from God. And you're saying, I am my own island. I'm my own man. I know better. I am king. I'm my own redeemer. I am Lord over myself. You're giving yourself over to Satan. So let's watch a video. Wake you guys up a little bit to see this teaching in the world today. Do what you want. All right. And uh, the book of Satan, it says, say to your own heart, I am my own redeemer. And that's where this video is going to pick on, pick up an interpretation of that by a lead Satanist. Say to your own heart, I am my own redeemer. His disciples viewed as one of the most satanic of the 20th century. I did it my way. For what is a man? What has he got? It's no mere coincidence that this song in its successive incarnations, revealed artists who became living metaphors for the inevitable downward spiral of any culture that embraces I did it my way theology. I did it my way, indeed. Of course, not every follower of the satanic law ends up dying as did Elvis and Sid, of a drug overdose. Hell does have its trophies on this side of the grave. But the ultimate expression of sin's wages for everyone who, quote, does it their way, and that includes some of the most talented and beautiful among us, is a grace-forsaken darkness that waits just on the other side of death. And while Elvis and Sid may represent the figurative Alpha and Omega of the rock milieu, this my way ethic has expressed itself in so many ways by so many different performers. And I want to do it my, you know, my way, to sound like Frank Sinatra. And in so many songs, interviews, and concert performances, one could easily argue that Do What Thou Wilt defines the very soul of rock and roll.
kid can click this switch in his head and say, I can do what I want to do. I'm here on this earth. There are laws, but I'm going to handle it my way. Game's identity. The bitch with a flashlight. Do anything you want to do. Do what you want. Do it, boy. Do what you want to do. Do what thou wilt often resonates in the words of the popular mantra, do your own thing. And the thing is, whatever is good for you is the best for you, you know. It's a simple thing, but people don't understand that. Doing your own thing means doing your own thing, not right. doing exactly what everybody mm -hmm. else is doing, but doing what suits you. It can provide the foundation for the ever-popular believe or trust in yourself. When I say be a soul, that means being true to the game, being true to yourself and believing in yourself. And the satanic law can find its most perfect and enticing expression in what has become one of our culture's most popular credos. Follow or trust your heart. Trust your heart. Let decide to guide these lives we see. You guys get the point? <clears throat> Mark chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. For from within, out of the heart of man comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Listen to your heart, guys. Listen to your heart. What exactly is your heart? 
Greek word is cardia. And uh, main interpretation for it is it is the center of your body and of your spirit. Okay, it's basically the center of who you are. It's the center of all these different things. Now, if your spirit man is dead, it's actually the center of, of your mind, your soul, and of your body and of what you once are. So if you're going to listen to your heart, you're actually listening to what your flesh wants. Think again about a child. You don't discipline a child. You don't take care of a child. What's a child going to do? They're not going to sleep. They're going to eat pizza for every meal. And they're going to watch TV all the time. That's what some of you still want to do. Okay? That is our fleshly desires. It's not healthy. It's going to kill us. Okay? We need to be disciplined. We need to be brought out of this. The heart is wicked. It's no surprise that societies like in America, especially, and in Europe, they're starting to fall apart because this is being preached. Do what you want. Do what you want. Do what you want. Listen to your heart. Listen to your heart. And you know what happens when people keep doing that? They keep saying, well, I want this. Now I want this. Now I want this. They start earthly. Then they go to unspiritual. And then they go to demonic. Their desires become so strong that they don't think of the other person around them. Just like a little baby doesn't think about mom and dad, only thinks about their own desires. How do you think a man could molest his daughter? How do you think a mom could sell her children for more drug money? This isn't, oh, their mind's just jacked up. Well, yeah, it is jacked up. It's through bondage. They didn't get there overnight. They weren't born this way. They grew up. And kept feasting on what they wanted, kept taking more, kept taking more. And Satan's voice got stronger and stronger to the point where they couldn't even think about their own daughter. They couldn't even think about that little child, the future of that child. Think about this, guys. This is spiritual warfare. What's happening in North Korea is spiritual warfare. They are so wrapped up. Kim Jong-un is so wrapped up in what he wants. And the leaders there, they know they got millions of people dying of starvation. But they, they want to drink champagne. They want a nice car. They want what they want, and they're going to get what they want. Who cares if millions of people die? This is the reality, guys. I need you all to wake up to this. Mark 7, 21 through 23. Let's read it again. From, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. This is why we're in need of a Savior. Satan wants you to do his own thing. Why? So he can dominate you. He can control you. You guys know why Satan became the way he was? It was because he questioned God's authority, and he led a rebellion in heaven. It says that his tail swept out a third of the stars. Some interpret that as he, he uh, disled about a third of the angels in the heaven into worshiping him and to worshiping themselves. And so they were cast down. They were cast out of heaven. You know what Satan's chief sin is? It's rebellion. It's wanting to do my own thing. I don't want to worship God. I want to be my own Lord and Savior. I want to be my king. So what does he do in our lives? He plants into us immediate desires to rebel. This is why people struggle with their boss. This is why people don't trust politicians. This is why people don't like the pastor. Okay? Oh, I don't like what he's saying right now. Uh-uh, no, no. That's, that's starting to encroach in my life. I'm out of here. Okay? I'm leaving. 
Satan hates authority. So he wants to create rebellion in us. He wants us to disconnect from family, disconnect from those who are trying to look out for us so that he can own us. Aleister Crowley, what he said was, give me a generation of men who are cut off from their fathers and I will own them and I will lead them into a revolution that will change this world. Let's look at America right now at how many are growing up fatherless. You take away that authority, you take away that covering, you got people trying to do what they want. And you got kids in the street saying, yeah, I expect to live until 23. And they're content with it because they're on their drugs, because they're having their sex, because they're doing what they want. They're not thinking about their future. Satan wants to own your soul. This isn't just about me trying to convince. Come on, guys, be a Christian. Oh, you're, just go on. You'll be, you'll be fine. No, this is spiritual warfare. You guys got to be alert to this. So what do we do? How do we protect our soul? How do we protect our body? How do we protect our lives? How do we combat Satan's attack against us? I'm going to give you guys three things to overcome sin and Satan's agenda and live your life right. Three things. The first thing you need, it's the power of the gospel. It should be a duh, but you guys really need to know it. The power of the gospel. 1 Peter 2, verse 24 through 25 says this, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that's on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. See, Jesus' death on the cross, he took our sin, he took everything that was unholy upon you, and he took it upon himself. God demonstrates his own love to us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He took it on himself. He endured the punishment that we deserve. Okay? He took it upon himself, and he overcame it. Not just by enduring the cross, but by his resurrection. Romans ten thirteen says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you call upon his name... Okay, if you repent, you receive him into your heart, he fills him with your Holy Spirit. When he fills you with your Holy Spirit, now your heart isn't just controlled by your body. Now you have a connection to God. Jesus is the shepherd of your soul. Now you're not being shepherded by these earthly desires and by that little devil. Okay, now you have a connection to his Holy Spirit. Now you can know truth. Now you can know the right way. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. That is who he is. When we receive him, now we have a connection in our heart. Now our heart from within, we're no longer listening to that. We're listening from above. We're receiving his wisdom from above. Jesus is the shepherd of your soul. Satanism wants you to do what you want, wants you to think you are your own Lord. You don't need anything. It's completely anti-Christ. Because what Christ is, is saying, I am not my own. You are in control. I've tried to live life my way. That, that song that seems so innocent, but is so demonic. I've tried to live life my way, but I'm a mess. I need a savior. I need you to come in and to lead me. Here's my heart, Lord. My heart burns for you. There's a reason why we sing these songs so much. Because it's completely anti-Satan. And it's all worship to the Lord. I'm not my own Lord. I'm not my own Redeemer. I'm not going to do what I want. I've done it, and it's messed me up. 
It's hurt me and it's hurt other people as well. God, I repent. I turn from my sins. I turn from Satan. I turn from this junk. And I pray, God, lead me. Be the shepherd of my soul. It's the epitome of the gospel. It's the power of the gospel. But you see, it's not just his spirit that leads us. He gives us two more things that you guys got to know. Next thing you need to know in order to save your soul, it's the word of God written within us. The word of God, the Bible. James 1, 21. Look at this. This is a powerful verse. It says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness, receive with humility, the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Word right there. It means logos in the Greek. That means the written word. It's referring to the Bible. Receive the written word that it might save your soul. Psalm 119.11, she put it up. It says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.105, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Hebrews 4.12, it says, for the word of God, again, talking about the Bible, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of what? Of the heart. You see, apart from the Spirit of God, Bible that you have, it's just a textbook. Just a bunch of words, just a bunch of stories. And I bet a lot of you guys, when you first tried to read the Bible, you found it in the most boring book in the world. I can't blame you. That's what happened to me. When I first read the Bible, I did not understand anything. So I tried to read the New Testament because that's what's supposed to be easy. I still didn't get it. Well, these are nice teachings, but he sounds kind of like a Buddha. He sounds like, you know, just this sage, you know, let me teach you the way of love and the way that's right. I wasn't getting it. Okay. It wasn't until I received the Holy Spirit and I began to ask the Spirit, illuminate the word. You see, the Bible says in in 1 Corinthians 2.14 that the soulish man, which means the natural man, he can't understand the word because it's spiritual revelation. It's just a book. But when you get the Spirit of God coming in you, it comes alive. God's Word comes alive. What you were formerly disconnected to, you are now able to read and to receive into your heart to change your life. This is why I want to ask you guys. You guys are Christians, a lot of you in this room, but a lot of you still find the Bible boring. Why? Because I bet when you read it, you don't ask God, God, give me revelation. You're just treating it like you did before you became a Christian. It's a book. I'm supposed to read it to be a good Christian. So I'm going to open it up. What's this about the judges? Oh, it's history. I don't get this. What? Oh, that's nasty. Oh, what's going on here? Um, I'm tired. You know, put it away. Yeah, if you read it as a nat- in the natural mind like you would in- read any other book, it's nothing. But if you ask the Spirit of God, and this is what I encourage you guys to do, anytime you open your Bible... Because it's not revelation that's from your natural mind. I don't care if you have an IQ of 200. You're not going to get anything out of the Bible unless it's through the Spirit of God. And so you ask God, open my eyes to what you want to tell me today. Open my eyes to your word. And you might read three chapters and get one little point. But that's what God wanted to speak to you. And it's going to put something in you. It's like you're going to get a taste of good bread. You're going to see, oh my gosh, I got something out of today. It was really simple, but I got something out of it. So the next time you read, you get another little simple thing. All right, think about a baby. You're born again. Does a baby eat steak? Uh uh. It's milk. It's just simple milk. Then it's baby food. Spoon fed baby food. 
It's the same for us. So many people think, well, I'm, I'm an educated man. I just became a, a Christian and I was well raised, you know, I, I got things in order. So, uh, you know, I don't really need the Holy Spirit. I can just read my Bible and, and take it for how I think it is. Right, that's, that's completely antichrist. That's still saying, I'm the Lord. I have my own wisdom. You've got to rely on the Spirit of God. When you read the Word, you've got to rely on the Spirit of God. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John eight thirty two. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The Bible is powerful. It needs to be in your life daily. It's the Word of God. You don't just hear it from heaven. Okay? You read His Word. You get to know Him. The third thing that we need, and this is what people hate the most, is leaders in the church we're submitted to. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hebrews 13, 17, check this out. It says, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over what? Over your souls, as those who will have to give an account. They have responsibility. They're going to have to give account for you. Let them do this with joy, not with groaning. Oh, please, don't make me groan. All right, for that would be of no advantage to you. Throughout the New Testament, this exhortation is written. Submit to your leaders. Honor your leaders. Listen to your leaders. The Bible in the New Testament, the church, if you read, it isn't just this church where we're all Christians, we all know what we're doing, and we all follow God, and, and it's anarchy. No. God set up a distinct hierarchy in the church elders, of deacons, of teachers, of apostles. He set up a distinct hierarchy. Why? Because we need shepherds here on earth. Why do we need them? Oh, well, I, you know, a lot of Christians will say, look, I got the Holy Spirit. I can connect to Him. I got the Word of God. I got this. I don't need this. And then suddenly, they have a crush on this girl. And we call it a crush because it's infatuation. And I just keep thinking about her. I just keep thinking about her and thinking about her and thinking about her and thinking about her. What's happening to your soul? It's getting overrun. It's getting overworked. Ever worked on a computer that has too many programs open at once and suddenly it slows down and nothing's working? That's what happens to your soul when you are in either high stress or you're in high infatuation. And then it's like, God, I, I want to know, is she the one or, or is she not? God, just speak to me. Just tell me. And, and they do this. God, just tell me. Just tell me. And they don't hear. Why? Because their soul's all jacked up. Their mind's all jacked up. And so God sends, who does he send? His hands and feet. He sends leaders into their lives to give them the word of God. To tell them, hey, what you're doing right now, this is foolishness. Or, hey, this is good. I want to encourage you, but these are the steps you need to make. But a lot of us, because we've been listening to music all our lives... And because we didn't know about Satanic's agenda, but we really like the songs and do what you want, do what you want, do what you want. Uh, what are you saying? I, I, I can't be with her. My heart is telling me that, that we're meant to be one. I have to listen to my heart. Okay? You're just trying to control me. Get out of my face, Pastor. I'm going to do what I want. It's not just love interest, guys. Think about job searches, where to live, how to handle your money, how to handle family matters, trying to overcome addiction, a hard time in your life. These are all moments when the soul gets, it gets overrun. And it's really hard to distinguish the voice of truth. It's really hard to distinguish, is it this way or is it this way? Am I supposed to take this job 
or this job? And how am I supposed to handle talking with my mom right now? How am I supposed to handle this addiction to alcohol? Because all I can think about is alcohol. Because all I can think about is sex. Because all I can think about is cigarettes and drugs. That's when you need the audible voice of God in your life. So often we want the audible voice through this crazy encounter with God. God doesn't work that way. He doesn't like to work that way. He likes to work through family because family is it's what God is. It's anti-Satan. Think about that. Family is anti-Satan. Family, there's covering, there's discipline, there's fellowship. You have brothers and sisters, okay, that, that can, you, can, you can confide in. You have your parents who are watching over you, who are disciplining you, who are leading you, who are speaking life and affirmation into you. Family is so good. Think about the statistics for children, especially daughters who are raised without a father. It's ridiculous. I didn't prepare them for you, but if you go into any of these, uh, if you go to Hooker Hill, and you ask all those girls how many of them were raised with a father, I can guarantee you probably at least 70%, if not 95% of them, were raised without a father. These are basic statistics. They had no covering. They had no one looking after them. It's the same in the church. We like to think, oh, I'm a grown man. I got wisdom. I'm educated. I went to college. I have a degree. I can do what I want. I know what I'm doing. I'm in control. I am my own Lord. I am my own Redeemer. It's so demonic filth coming from our mouths. It's so much pride and arrogance. When you are born again, you're a baby. You got to grow just as a baby became a toddler and needed to be disciplined. Sharing is caring. Learn the way of love. So is you as a Christian. You got to learn the basic truths. You got to learn in these areas and then you got to take the heavier things. So often for us as Christians, when we first become a, a believer, we're so excited and we're singing and we're like a baby. We're just enjoying the Father's love. Okay, and that's great. And we as leaders, we shepherd these new beginners. But we know time's coming when those terrible twos, the teeth, start to come out and they start to cry. Okay? And so they start to need discipline. And they're like, God's so distant. What's going on? No, 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 no. God's right here. It's just you're starting to mature as a Christian. And so while God was close to you before, now he's trying to teach you to listen to him from far away. He's trying to grow you up. But you see, if this new believer didn't have a mentor, didn't have a disciple, didn't have a spiritual figure in their lives that would help them, oh, just fall apart and, and go right back into the sin from before. This is why we have a church. We're the body of Christ. We look after one another. It's completely anti-Satan. Mm. You cannot see the back or the top of your head. It's just proven fact. You can't see it. Try Try looking at the back of your head right now. <laughs> you can't do it. You need someone to watch over you. Our church believes strongly in this. And there are renegade cults. There are renegade churches out there where you'll find the pastor... He's doing his own thing. He won't answer to anyone. He's doing what he wants. Okay? And that's a huge danger in the church. We're completely against that. That's why in this church, we have a hierarchy. Okay? And we have leaders over leaders over leaders over leaders over leaders. Okay? Pastor Margus, myself, we are not our own man. We're not just doing what we want. Okay? We submit to Pastor Christian, and he watches over us in love. This isn't control, guys. This is love. This is shepherding. Pastor Christian, he's not his own man. He's not doing his own thing. He submits himself to Pastor Benjamin Robinson, who's going to be speaking at the retreat. 
And that has been such a blessing, that mentoring, that help. It's good, guys. It's not evil. That's what Satan wants. Oh, you know, rebel against your father. Rebel against your mother. They hate you. That's what Satan's been trying to teach us from our youth. But when you actually see a father and mother, they're so good. They provided the clothes that you're wearing, the food that you ate, the sermon that you're listening to right now. All right, you guys are getting fed. Pastor Benjamin Robinson, he has his own mentor. Pastor Robert Daniels, and so on and so on. This is the way it should be. You see, a person in charge of his own life has no oversight over himself. He's his own man. A person in charge of his own life has no oversight over himself. If you're a true believer, if you are a true believer, then Jesus is the shepherd of your soul. And if he's the shepherd of your soul, then you've allowed him to put leaders in your life that will shepherd you, that will be his hands and feet for you, that will help you out. Now, I know there's a lot of fear in the church. Well, what if they make a, a wrong decision? What if they lead me in the wrong way? I understand that. And that's, that's really, a lot of that has happened in the church because of Satan, because there's been no accountability for those leaders. All right, and it's also happening because that's Satan's trap. Satan wants you all to be your own man, be your own Christian, do your own thing, run out on your own. What you got to understand is God is sovereign. He is the shepherd of your soul. So even if you have a, a harsh overseer over your life, even if you're going through a season where, man, my, my small group leader is just hard, I'm not enjoying this, God works all things for your good. Right. You've got to trust in him. Right. Okay, and as you trust in him, he's going to bless you. And later in your life, you're going to look back and see, wow, I grew so much in my character through that time. So often I wanted to rebel and, and curse my leader. Uh, and I've learned this myself, guys. I worked as a construction worker under these bosses that would yell and curse. And, and I just, I would get so upset. And I would tell my dad, and my dad would say, man up. That's what my dad would say, man up. And I, I had to learn not just humility. I had to learn strong identity. I had to learn how to submit. That's made me the man that I am. Discipleship, you better believe I received discipling. When I became a Christian, I didn't know what I was doing throughout high school, and I did not grow with God. I was a Christian during my junior year and senior year, but I made so many stupid choices. I listened to my heart. Dated girls I shouldn't have dated, did things I shouldn't have done. When I went to college, though, I joined a fellowship, and uh, they put me in an accountability group. Never been in that in my life. And they had me reading the Word. And I had a leader over me, keeping me accountable. I grew so much. Then I became a Bible study leader during my second year. I had two guys mentoring me and discipling me. Same with my third year. This helped me become the man that I am. And even after that, during my, my last years at college, when I was one of the head leaders in the fellowship, I was still under a staff that was a beginner Christian. And I thought, man, I know so much more than this person. How can I grow under her? And God said, man up. Submit. I'm the shepherd of your soul. I put you in this place. Okay? You're going to learn from her. You're going to learn humility. You're going to learn love. And that pride that's in your heart is going to get broken off. God did so much in my life through that staff. She didn't even know it. I grew so much. You guys need discipleship. You guys need, for the love of goodness, get into a small group. Get into a community group. Don't do your own thing. If you're listening on a podcast, it goes for you too. Join a small group at your church. Get discipled. Don't go out alone. And one of the, the key words that we talk about here at this church that I know a lot of newcomers don't understand is covering. Another term that we use is don't go out naked. And I always cringe when I hear that because I think of the newcomers like, what? You know, don't go out naked. 
It's uh, from a sermon that Pastor Christian preached in 2010, and we still say it, but so many people have come and gone that never really understood it. I'm going to explain it to you guys right now. I'm going to close with this. Uh, Exodus 32. Moses is coming down from the mountain, and he's carrying the Ten Commandments. And he comes down, and he finds what's happened is the Israelites... They've told Aaron, make a God for us. And Aaron, out of his weak authority, doesn't know what he's doing. They form a golden calf, and they begin to worship this golden calf. Worship of this golden calf isn't just bowing down to it. Idolatry in those days usually meant having sex with prostitutes, doing all sorts of lewdness and craziness. And that's what these people were doing. And we read in Exodus 32, verse 25. It says, when Moses saw that the people had broken loose, for Aaron had let them break loose, to the derision of their enemies. This is the ESV, but I like the King James Version. Let's read that. It says, next slide. And when Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies. That word for broken loose or naked here is para in the Hebrew. What it means is basically to let loose, to be given fully over to your own desires. Do what you want. Listen to your heart. Do everything that you desire. Basically means they became naked. That authority that Aaron had was nothing. They were doing their own thing. They had become naked. They were completely uncovered. Shame was consuming their lives. Exodus 32 in the story of the golden calf is an extreme example of people who rejected authority and chose to do their own thing. You know what had to happen? The people were so consumed with themselves, 3,000 people had to die that day before they came to their senses. That's extreme. All right, God's not going to do that in your life. Don't worry. You know, he's not going to wipe out you know, everyone that you know. Uh, but this is why we need covering. This is why we're not called to go out naked. Numbers 30 is an amazing chapter of the power of spiritual authority. The authority that a father has over his family, the authority that a husband has over his wife, the God-given authorities that God has set up. We need to understand that in the church. When we say don't go out naked, when we say you need covering, what we're saying is don't let yourself get caught up in Satan's trap. Do your own thing. Listen to your heart. Just go your own way. Set yourself as under Jesus as a shepherd of your soul. Get to know his word. And when you read the word, don't read it in your earthly wisdom. Ask God through his spirit to illuminate it to you, to give you revelation. And you're going to read it like never before. And more than these two things, get into a church, get into discipleship, into small group where you can be trained, where you can grow strong, where all those lies that Satan has tried to put in your life, all that bondage, all that shame, all that fear, all that stuff that you're ashamed of can get cleansed out of your system. And you can be the man, you can be the woman that God created you to be. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a father. And we thank you that as your children, we're safe. God, we thank you that as a father, God, you provide for us. You clothe us, God. You lead us. You protect us. God, we're safe. We're safe under you. And God, I just pray for everyone in this room and, and the people listening on the podcast that didn't have a father or had a father who, who was wicked or, or made poor choices. Uh, God, I just speak healing over them, God, because Satan has tried to destroy their view of who you truly are. You're a good father. You're faithful. You're loving. 
There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God, you are not a God who condemns, but a God who loves, who forgives, who runs to us. And God, we thank you that you're the shepherd of our souls. And God, it's our confession as a church. We don't want to fall into Satanism. Whether we know it or not, we don't want to fall in listening to our heart and doing our own thing and, and just running around naked. God, we want to be covered. We want to have wisdom that's not earthly, but wisdom that's from above. We want to be led by your Holy Spirit. We want to know the true reason why we're created. God, I just speak a grace over this congregation today. God, I speak a grace, Lord, that they will hear your voice. That, Lord, that tug of the spirit that they're feeling, Lord, in their hearts, God, that they'll know it's you. That they need to follow you and not follow the fear, not follow the the selfishness, not follow just their own desires of of wanting to run away. But that they're going to follow the shepherd, the author, the perfecter of who they are, of their faith. And God, I pray for every person in this room, Lord, that they will be able to get involved. That they'll become a part of the family of Christ that they'll commit themselves to a local church, that they'll commit themselves to Bible study, to discipleship, that they'll submit their hearts, not just to you, but to the authorities that you put in their lives, God, that they may be shepherded into true righteousness. And God, I break off all fear of authority. God, I break off all lies that Satan has put upon our generation. And God, I speak forth your truth, that you are good. The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. You care for those who trust in you. You care for them, God, so you will not harm them. You will not put them in places where they will be abused. But you're going to bless them. You're going to build them up. And they're going to soar on wings like eagles. They're going to run and not be weary. They're going to walk and not be faint. You've made every son and daughter in this place not to be a survivor, but to be a deliverer. Not to be, I'm just trying to fight my flesh. I'm not just trying to, I'm just trying to fight the the desires of my flesh and of my heart. But you're going to make every person in this place, you've called every person in this place to be more than a conqueror. To be a deliverer to those who are flailing in their sin. To be a deliverer for those who are hurting in depression with suicidal thoughts, God. You've called every son and daughter in this place, God, to be a child of your light. To be your hands and your feet. God, you are good. I just speak your blessing over the house of God. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.